This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome to the H-Town Hoops Podcast, Episode 1. Brandon Scott and Adam Spillane from SportsRadio610.com here with you. Austin Mendez, also SportsRadio610, is producing this thing. And Adam, man, this is uh, long, long overdue. I can't believe that we're just finally doing this after years and years of covering the Rockets. You well over a decade, decade plus covering the Rockets. You and I are doing this together for the last, I don't know, four, four seasons or so. Here we are, man. Finally got a got a, a space to kind of stretch out a little bit and and, and talk about one of our uh, most important teams in town. Yeah, looking forward to it. We've been talking about it, like you said, for a while. So it's nice to know that we had this opportunity and we're going to be able to do it multiple times a week, react to games, get into the big picture stuff, because with this team, the big picture matters more than the individual games. But um, they might not win a lot, but there's going to be a lot to talk about. Yeah, and so let's start there, actually, because I think Jalen Green put it well earlier in the season, uh, or at least I just thought it was an interesting perspective from him, or honestly, I wonder if this was somewhat communicated to him, or just like directly communicated to him at some point, just about the development of the team, where they lost a game, I can't remember exactly which game it was, but they lost a game, and he said, there are no losses, there are either wins or learning lessons, essentially saying that every game that they lost should be an opportunity for them to learn, uh, you know, a lesson and to be able to take from that something that they'll benefit from in the long run whenever they do expect to be good again. But I guess I'll say, Adam, what what has been maybe the most surprising development with the Rockets so far that uh, that 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 would I, I guess would have you intrigued or interested in, interested in their future? You know, I, I don't know if there's any like one big thing that stands out just because I didn't really know. You kind of went into it not knowing what to expect at all because the group is so young and there was so much unknown. So for me, it was almost looking to be like, okay, who's going to fit in where? Who's going to fit in? Who, who's going to be, you know, part of the nine, 10 man rotation? Who's going to be in the starting lineup? Who's going to play with who? So that's been what's, that's that's kind of the one thing that I've been looking at. Uh, for me personally, 
And when you look at it, I think the one thing that's been interesting, most interesting is just kind of how Josh Christopher has really fallen out of the rotation where this was a guy who you really thought was part of their future. and was a big part of what they do. And now he's getting DMP CDs. And, and frankly, I understand, I understand the reasoning for it. And I understand why the role hasn't been there, but I, I'm just surprised after what we saw this year that he's really just kind of fallen off. Yeah. I mean, he's getting the third fewest minutes per game of anyone on the team. I, I wouldn't say that I don't understand it, but it does bear some explaining. Don't you think like, the fact that he was a first round pick just a year ago. And like you said, it it was believed that he was going to be a, a key part of their future. And I know he had his struggles at times last year, but there were also times where just his energy alone and sort of uh, just sort of the way he played the game seemed like he would, he, he would just, just off of energy and effort alone, it seemed like he would be able to play his way into some minutes, at least into a second season. So it is, so it, at least from that standpoint, surprising to me, that he would be out of the rotation that quickly. You know, you could see it coming during preseason. I remember it was the the first preseason game. I don't think he even played at all in the first half or he was one of the last guys to come off the bench. And part of the reasoning, and it doesn't mean that he's not part of their future moving forward, but he's not a point guard. And, uh, you know, he, he's not a better point guard than Dacian Nix. And he's not a better shooter than Garrison Matthews. And so until one of those things changes – he's going to sort of be on the outside looking in. And again, he's he's still really young. I think he'll turn 21 pretty soon. He's talented and he can certainly hold up defensively, but he's got to work on the other stuff of his game offensively before you can really trust him for those minutes at this point. At least that's what I think they are thinking right now. Yeah, I guess that's the part that surprised me about it. You mentioned Dacian Nix. Now, and this isn't a knock on Dacian Nix, but if, if there was any part of it that surprised me, it'd be that he is the one who kind of suppl supplanted him. Now, I was a big Dacian Nix fan last year, but I, I thought that just based off of the trajectory, the fact that Josh Christopher saw more minutes with the, you know, with the NBA squad than, than Dacian Nix did. I, you know, I just, for me, it, it is a surprising development that he would supplant him. But you, I, I do agree with you on the point of him being sort of in that tweener status where Nick's at least is clearly a point guard and has a role there as a backup point guard. And Matthews is clearly an off off ball guard and a clear shooter, spot up shooter. Whereas Josh Christopher is kind of a, a man somewhere in between. Um, I, I want to get into you with you, the, some of the, the major players here, obviously you wrote before the season or back in training camp. And this was before, KPJ, Kevin Porter Jr. got his extension. But one of the key points or one of the sort of defining moments of training camp or the preseason you thought would be what the commitment level would be to two guys, KPJ and Steven Silas. I think we saw what that level of commitment was with Kevin Porter Jr. through the contract. I guess the story remains to be written with Steven Silas and it's still sort of a um, you know, a, pro a prove it game, so to speak, of 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 trying to just establish, you know, what is what is this going to look like going forward? What have been, what have sort of been your observations from those two key figures? We can start with KPJ and then and then go to the coach. Well, with Porter, there was a commitment, but it wasn't a huge commitment, at least not yet. I mean, the the dollar figure with the contract is not that absurd, and just the way that. Uh, the options, you know, because only the first year of the contract is guaranteed. 
And so they can kind of go year to year with it just to make sure that that everything is uh, that everything kind of stays on an even level with him. Um, and that's a smart that's a smart play too, right, Adam? Yeah. Given the history and, and the and the and the potential upside with the deal, right? Yeah, and I know that he wasn't probably thrilled about that part of it, where only the first year of a four year extension is actually guaranteed. But if he does his job and he is able to. Uh, you know, stay on his essentially his best behavior and, you know, not fall into some of the traps that maybe he's fallen into in the past, then no team will hesitate to pick up any, any of those option years. And really the big thing is too, for him, the, the last two years of that contract, basically they trigger at the same time. So, you know, he's got an opportunity to where, you know, to me, there's no reason to think that he won't be able to, I mean, because everything with him, you know, there've been a couple of instances here. There've been, you know, there've been an instance here and instance there, but for the most part, he's been a, a model citizen for them, you know, since he joined the team a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I think just in, in terms of his play this season, it's been okay. Uh, I, I do think you saw it last year. He started off a little bit slow. The turnovers are starting to creep up again. I think he had a seven turnover game not too long ago. That's the sort of stuff that he really needs to work on. He's got to you know stay a little more in control. But you've seen it where when he's been out of the game, their offense has really struggled. So he's been a very important part of what they're doing. He certainly is a big part of their future. And I think that uh, you just need to continue to see the growth with him, not only on the floor, but off of it as well. Yeah, man, for me, like KPJ, the point guard, if we're talking about in transition uh, off of, you know, obviously big defensive plays and just allowing him to be an athlete fascinates me a lot more than KPJ, the point guard in the half court and in, in the in the slower settings. I like I think he's much more of a shooting guard in that scenario, you know, and, and so that that's what's interesting to it or interesting about it to me. But we're also talking about, you know, what is evolving. And this is an overall basketball point, but what's evolving into more of a positionless game, you know, depending on like what type of personnel you got out there and what kind of style of, of play that that you're running. And so I've always thought that, KPJ, the point guard, in some ways was overstated, but at the same time, I didn't want to understate it because he does need to take care of the basketball and make good decisions and and, and all of those things. It, 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 and so I guess that that's what brings me to Steven Silas. Like for a guy who is as even keeled and as mild mannered as Steven Silas is and as nice of a guy as he is. Over the last two years, I guess, I guess he got to pass that first year, but over the last two years, it seems like he's been kind of a polarizing figure for Rockets fans, at least the places where I traffic online. And I imagine you traffic in a lot of the same places, Adam. What is your evaluation of Steven Silas? I think I've, I'll just put, I'll just say this. This has been the first time this season where I've, where I've questioned or, or, or wanted to see more, at, at, at times more kind of cohesiveness or more organization. And, and I, and I feel like it's gotten better over the last few games. I mean, we're, we're having this conversation several games into the season. Now, this is probably more of a point that I was making in the first couple of games of the season, but what is, I feel like this is the first year where there is a kind of a legitimate amount of pressure on Steven Silas is, I guess this is a long, long way of what I'm trying to say. 
what has been your well what first of all what's your thought on that and what has been your sort of evaluation of him so far well there's certainly pressure because he's not under contract after this season so this is kind of his i guess prove it type of a year to show that he is the head coach for them moving forward i don't know how to evaluate him just because the situation that he's in is so difficult where this group is so young and so inexperienced and they, they really didn't even have a full training camp together because they had some key guys who were hurt. You know, Jabari Smith Jr. missed a significant amount of time uh, during the preseason. Jay Sean Tate has missed really almost the entire season so far. So it's really hard to get a read on him. And he's still trying to learn these guys. All these guys are brand new, not just to him, but they're brand new to each other. So I, for me, I think it's impossible to evaluate him after, you know, 12 games or whatever it is uh, right now at, at this point. Yeah, it's 12 games right now. So I think it's really hard to evaluate the job that he's done so far. And, and I think it's one of those things where you're going to need a month. You're going to need two months. You want to see how he's able to gel this group together because it has felt like over you know the last week or so that they have found a little bit of continuity. They found some continuity just with their rotations and who's going to play with who, but they're doing that with some key guys out. Bruno Fernando has not played since the second game of the year. He's started for them uh, the first two games of the year. They're doing this without Jay Sean Tate, who is a big part of what they're going to do moving forward. So they've got to figure out a way, you know, he's, he's, I, I think, like I said, I think he's found some sort of a semblance of a rotation, but he's about to work some, some other guys in. So it, it's just, this is the, the job that they are asking him to do is really, really difficult because there are so many guys that you're trying to you're trying to evaluate. You're, you're there, they've got, you know, what, 10, 12 players who you're trying to evaluate. You're trying to put them in the best position to be successful. And at the same time, you are trying to win basketball games every now and then. Yeah, I, I hear you, Adam. I actually, though... eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love... You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I did watching the Raptors game the other night. I, I and I'm just interested in your thoughts on this. I did feel like I spotted a lineup that that I liked or that seemed favorable. Um, the the KPJ, the Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, KJ Martin, Jabari Smith Jr., and Alperin Shingoon lineup. If you'd asked me before the season and said, hey, do you think this is going to be their best lineup or would this be their best lineup? I probably wouldn't have said yes. And and now I'm at a point to where I think maybe that it is. And that's got a lot to do with, obviously, the the upside of of, the, of those younger guys, those four, those four younger guys, all of the ones, you know, KPJ, all of the, I guess, call them the first round picks. But then obviously, KJ Martin as somebody who has 
whose game has developed over the last year, over the last couple of years, um, in ways that I just didn't necessarily see coming, uh, or maybe that I overlooked the the shooting, the ball handling, the contributions on both ends. Do you feel like, and we can talk about KJ at, at some point later on, or and I'm sure we will a lot throughout the podcast, but specifically on that lineup, since you mentioned lineups, is 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 there? Do you think that they found something there, or is it still something that's just like, hey, wait till these guys get healthy and, and just kind of keep tweaking it and figuring it out? That lineup has actually not been good. <laughs> or actually, you know what? I'm looking with, at the wrong lineup. Um, with KJ in it? So I, I'm looking at, at Gordon in there. Um, yeah, yeah, no, Gordon. No, Gordon, and, and with, I, uh, I thought would be better, and I've I've been somewhat surprised by 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 Gordon. But you know, it's it's hard it's hard to get a read on it because they have one lineup, kind of the, their everyday starting lineup has only played together for 82 minutes, and it hasn't been good. And then they don't have another five man lineup that's played more than 35 minutes together. And they've, they've got the one, they've got one lineup that's played 35 minutes together and nothing that's played more than 25. So I think it's really hard to get a read just on how any lineup is going to work because the sample size is so small at this point. So I'm going to, it's one of those things where I'm going to reserve judgment on basically every grouping that they have just because I haven't seen it enough. And sometimes it's based on opponent. Sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, if they play, you know, one lineup, you know, the majority of the minutes against Milwaukee, that's not a great way to evaluate that group just because that's against one of the best teams in the entire NBA. So it's probably not going to do as well as if it would have played against the Clippers, you know, in those two games uh, last week. So I'm going to reserve judgment on some of the lineup stuff for now. I'm, you know, I don't know what the right number of games, what the right number of minutes is to where you can get a fair evaluation on this stuff. But I, I so the five man lineups, I think are tough. I, I do think there's the one really interesting three man lineup that they've been using off the bench with Martin Garuba and Tari Eason that has just kind of just wrecked a bunch of havoc on teams. And the results have been awesome. And you look at um, the per 100 possessions, the net rating, I think it's, I think it's like a plus 30 or something. Uh, Defensively, they're, they're allowing fewer than a hundred points per 100 possessions. So I think that has been interesting uh, just in the short amount of time that they've used it. But again, I still want to see this stuff a little bit more before I start making like a firm, you know, commitment to this is a good lineup. This is a bad lineup. What about KJ though? Like I, I feel like KJ is since I did bring him up is someone who, and maybe that's the reason why I like the lineup so much. You know, I, I just already like the other four players, you know, period in any lineup. And then KJ is maybe the the wild card factor in there that I didn't necessarily factor into maybe liking with the first. What is, I guess what have you thought about his development and, and on both ends of the floor? Obviously, we knew he was. Uh, tremendous athlete and, and you know it comes from great athletic pedigree is you know and all of that we we, we get that but I mean he, he just seems like a very like a just a very smart basketball player on top of being a really good athlete and has just seemed to have developed some of his skills that I thought were raw when he came in as a, a second round pick or was he undrafted or a second round no, he's second, a second round, round, second yeah, round pick yeah so I mean as a second it just it just it just kind of is I think it's a cool story of you know just you know, working on your game and developing. Yeah, he's definitely smart, and, and it does help that he grew up in the sport, you know, that his dad, you know, played in the league for such a long time. He just keeps getting better. And I do think that there were some 
some of the expectations on him going into last year were a little bit lofty because he did play well at the end of that 2020, 2021 season. And I think it, it was just really hard to get a read on certain guys that year, just because it was such a wonky season and they were so bad and they're playing against teams that frankly weren't trying all that hard when they did play them. And so he, you saw him, you know, at, at the start of last year, he kind of took a backseat role to a bunch of guys, but his minutes increased as, as last year went on. Uh, he showed a great deal of improvement on some of the little things, like some of his top line numbers went down, but that just meant that he improved. Like he was blocking fewer shots last year, but defensively he was a much better player. And you're seeing it now to where, you know, the first couple of years he was playing the four or the five. That was really all you could play him. Now you're starting to see them play him at the wing because he can handle it a little bit and he can handle it both offensively and he can handle it defensively. He can put the ball on the floor. Now he can create some stuff for other guys. So I, I do think it's been a real success so, uh, story in player development for them. And yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's a real positive for, for what he can do. And I think that the future is really bright for him. Adam, remind me, was it his rookie year or was it last year when he just got this reputation and rightfully so because it kept happening of like just stuffing big men oh, yeah. in the rim? It was the, it was the rookie year. It was the rookie year, right? Yeah, like it, it, it just came of, yeah. the game. Yeah, I think he got Rudy Gobert a couple of times. I mean, he, yeah. he was doing it too. But it was one of those things where they were great highlight plays, but it was also happening because he tended to be out of position a lot of times because he was super, super young and he still didn't really know how to play. And so you didn't see that stuff from him nearly as much last year. But that was a good thing because while he wasn't making the highlight plays, he was doing the nuts and bolts things so much better. So you don't necessarily, you know, like Jalen Green had a, had a block uh, in the game against Orlando on Monday and it was a great highlight reel block, but it happened because he kind of got caught out of position. That's not the stuff that you necessarily want to see. You want to see him be able to stay in front of his man. But uh, the, the one thing with Martin is that he has the athleticism to where he can, he can basically erase somebody else's mistakes. And that's what you're seeing him do a lot. I, I just, I, I just think that it's been a, a really great development for how well he's played early on. And, and he, again, it, it leaves him with some problems because he only played five guys at a time. They got a lot of guys that they want to play. And it kind of feels like he needs to be one of those guys that needs to be on the floor more often. I'm trying to remember if it was, I feel like you had the joke and maybe maybe I'm not remembering it correctly, but was it was it you who tongue in cheek was asking if KJ Martin was yeah. a max player last yeah. night? Yeah. The, the, the earlier that 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 I, I, was a joke, but of of course a joke, but a joke I feel like we can make now and have fun with because of how well he's playing. Because mm -hmm. I mean, obviously that's a tongue-in-cheek, not serious comment, but a credit to him for having moments like that where you can just feel like, hey, 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 why don't why don't we just why don't we just uh why don't we just throw this out there? Like, well, you know what though? I it I think it is, and you tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it is a play on the distance that we've covered with KJ from and you guys are maybe moving on without me and drafting guys where there's some positional redundancy with me. I'm not sure where I fit in the rotation and minutes wise to now he does fit in. And Kelly Eco, our guy Kelly Eco at The Athletic is reporting that he'd be open to a contract extension. So, I mean, to me, that's even fascinating that they would be. I don't know how fascinating it is, but it is interesting, at least, that, you, that we would go from 
hey, I don't think I'm a part of your future anymore to, you know, I'm playing, um, I'm playing a lot of minutes and I feel like I'd be willing to, to sign an extension. So um, re- really cool place to, to come with, with, with KJ. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. All right. You mentioned Jalen Green. Mm-hmm. We've gotten 20 minutes into this thing without talking about the number two overall pick of the 2021 draft or the number three overall pick of the 22 draft, 2022 draft, which is Jabari Smith Jr. So let's dedicate some time to those guys here now. Let's start with Jalen Green, obviously. To me, you know, clearly the franchise player, the future of the franchise as we know it. Um you know, unless something went catastrophically wrong, that seems to be the obvious plan. Um, I I like Jalen's game so much. Um, I've ca- I've called him Miles Morales for the longest time because uh, Miles Morales was the Black Spider Man who uh, struggled for the longest to figure out his powers and how to use his his, his spidey powers. And that was who I thought Jalen Green was his rookie year. Every now and then. It seems like he diverts back to Miles Morales tendencies where his shot selection isn't great or his pacing isn't great. But like he, you know, physically is, you know, superior to most guys. Like most guys cannot stay in front of him. His his jump shot, I feel like, is getting a lot better or has developed uh, with the work that he's put in with John Lucas. Um, to me, his body is noticeably um, it's noticeably different. He looked, he still looked like a teenager, very much like a teenager last year. I thought, you know, almost in a way like, Oh, how kind of how Jabari looks now, honestly, like, you're like, Oh, that's, that's definitely an NBA body in there somewhere, but he's a teenager right now, you know, kind of thing. Whereas like Jalen to me looks like a, looks like a grown up now, you know, um, it's just, I mean, still a skinny guy, but you know, looks like an NBA is like, he's, you know, growing into his NBA body. So where are you right now with Jalen Green's development as, you know, 1A, future star, all those things that are going to be put on him. But just right now in year two in his development, what do you think of where Jalen's at? I think everything's pretty much on schedule. I I, I think that you're seeing he's touching, you know, his usage rate is up uh, pretty considerably uh, this season. Uh, He's touching the ball a whole lot more. I think he's, I think he's at uh, 59 touches or something this year. I think he was below 50 last year. Shots are shots are up. He's still an efficient scorer. He's getting to the free throw line more uh, last year. He's turning the ball over a little bit more this year, but that's to be expected because he's he's handling the ball a lot more. So I think that everything is pretty much in line with what you would expect. And I, I did think the expectations for him were a little inflated. There were people saying that he would average 25 a game this year. I thought that that was probably a little too far 
and, and people were basing it off of what he did, you know, the last couple of weeks of last year. And again, that's one of those things where what he did at the end of last year was great, but you also have to remember he was doing it against teams that weren't necessarily trying to win. There were a couple of games against Sacramento. There were a couple of games against Portland that were in there and he, he looked good. Like he, he looked really good and that's what you wanted to see. But to think that he was going to boom right away, be at, be able to average 25. I think that was probably taking it a step too far, but development is development and you just want to see him improve. You want to see him get better. And I think that's what you're seeing this year. He's got to get better defensively, which again, that's to be expected. You're supposed to, you're not a finished product when you're 20 years old in your second NBA season. Uh, his confidence is through the roof. He had the game against Memphis where he's going toe to toe with John Morant. Yes. And I asked him after that game, like, Hey, you know, when you're doing this and you know, it's him one possession. It's you the next possession. Are you feeling like I'm, I am I am on this guy's level? And he basically thought that I was – it was a ludicrous question that he even asked to even consider because, of course, he thinks that he's on that level. And I think that's what you want. You want to see him have that sort of confidence. So I, I think that everything with him has been exactly what you want. I will say the one thing, and it's a very small nitpicky thing, the body language has got to be a little bit better. And you'll see it where someone might take a bad shot and he reacts to it. And that's one of those things, especially if you're going to be the best player on the team and the leader, probably don't want to do that. He's, he's done it with Jabari Smith. He's, he's done it with Jabari Smith once. He did it with somebody else too earlier in the year. You can't necessarily react negatively when something doesn't go your way, at least when it's one of your teammates. If it's a referee, go ahead, yell at them all you want. But when it's one of your teammates, especially one of your younger teammates, that's one of those things that you probably should avoid. And again, that's a nitpicky thing, but it's something that I do notice. Yeah, well, and I, well, and I think it's it's worth noting. We can call it nitpicky, but I mean, we're kind of here to do that nitpick a little bit. And I, I think it is worth noting when, like the points you make, when you're going to be the guy, the face of the franchise, a leader. I mean, this is this is essentially his team. I mean, I, I mean, there's no other way to look at it. And if it's going to be your team, you're going to be the guy that like if your body language is bad, everybody else's body language is bad. We've had these conversations before about leadership and how infectious it can be. Whoever the leader of the team is, how their body language and their attitude and approach can trickle down to uh, to the to the rest of the team. So, you know, I, I do think that that's important. I, I also think that it's kind of just an interesting observation with Jalen, though, given how young he is how young he is being given the keys to a franchise yeah and you have to grow up quick right you exactly grow up quick in the in this in the nba yeah ex exactly exactly and i think that that's what's part of it you know like having to grow up quick and also having the you know the weight of a franchise on you like that and and sort of being tasked with like he is sort of the the one like the guy that's tasked with sort of turning this thing around not by himself, obviously, but he's the face of it. You know, like if, when, when this thing turns around and they're good again, it's supposed to be because he's turned into that guy. And so um, and so in, in some ways it could feel like it's him taking ownership of that. But a, a, as part of that, you got to understand that, you know, you're you, you set the tone. You're sort of responsible for um, for for how things look or, or how, how they're perceived around you. Um, to, to a large degree, fair or unfair. And so at the, that's fair or unfair. So at the very least, you don't want to add fuel to that. Like people, I, I feel like there's always going to be a level of skepticism on guys like that, where someone's always going to be looking for a reason to question your leadership or a reason to, to, to doubt you or 
to to poke some holes into your game and and or especially if your game's that good it's like okay is there a personality conflict here is there what what can we find wrong and i, I feel like that's not the thing that you want it to be um you know especially with a with a young team like this everybody's young uh the leaders are young so uh you mentioned defensively though Jalen Green, the, the defense has to get better, and it does. I feel like it has a little bit since the rookie year. I don't know if the numbers exactly bear this out. This is just from me watching him and some of uh in some one-on-one scenarios, just and, and it could have a little bit to do with the body. That could be what I'm looking at, just that he looks strong. He doesn't look like he's getting bullied the same way he would last year, uh, from a physical standpoint. So maybe that's what I'm seeing, but I mean, athletically, Adam, I know we talk about this guy as a scorer and you were talking about how it was maybe unfair to give him the expectation of scoring 25 points per game. But I just feel like with the physical tools that he has, he should be a plus defender. Like he should be an excellent defender. It's maybe not right now, but at some point, given what his what his athletic gifts are. Yeah, I think on the ball, he's fine. I think off the ball, he his eyes tend to wander a little bit and he can lose focus, which again, totally normal. Totally normal when you're 20 years old in your second NBA season. But, you know, again, these are areas that you need to work on. And nobody in their second year in the NBA when you're 20 years old is going to be a finished product. So there are always things that you can work on. And that's part of what film is. And that's part of, you know, that was the block against Orlando uh, the other day. It was a great play, but it was a great play that he had to make after a mistake. So those are some of the things that you just want to clean up a little bit. All right, Adam, the number three overall pick Jabari, Jabari Smith Jr. out of Auburn. Um, We all remember the interesting draft night where thought he was going to go number one, thought Paolo was going to go number three. That's all history now. Paolo's in, is in Orlando doing his thing. Uh, Looks amazing. Jabari's here uh, starting and is I I think he's fine. Okay, I think he's fine. But I will say that I expected I feel like I expected more of him. But the fact that he hasn't met that expectation is not his problem or his fault. That that's a maybe a me problem and, and just over just an over expectation. So uh, so I. I'm I'm careful not to put that on him and say, you know, he's disappointing because I'm disappointed, you know, if, if that makes sense. Uh, so what have you thought about about Jabari Smith? Because like I said, I think he's fine, uh, even if I thought that there was going to be a little bit more there early on. Everything's been fine. I mean, it's it's the first you know dozen games of his career. He missed basically most of training camp when he sprained his ankle. So he's had very little time to adjust to the league and everything, everything is fine. There are certainly things that need to improve. There are things that you can improve. The shooting hasn't been very good. Again, I don't think that's really to be unexpected. This is a whole new game. I mean, I know the shooting numbers were great in college and he's going to be a great shooter, but it's a different shot in the NBA. You have, you know, the three point line is further back. The defenders you're going up against are better. They're going to close out a harder against you uh it, the shots aren't necessarily going to be as open so it's just all an adjustment everything you know I, I, there was this whole feeling that because he's a great defender and a great shooter that he's just a plug and play type guy and he'll be able boom day one he'll be ready to go and he'll be able to play you know at a at a very high level from day one and it just doesn't work like that the league is so difficult um 
and, and the competition is so much better than anything that you've experienced before. And you're playing so many more games than you normally have. And so again, didn't really have a training camp. They really haven't had any practice time uh, since the season has started. We're recording this on a, on Thursday. They're actually going to practice here tomorrow on Friday. So it's one of the few times where he'll actually get to practice. So and he, he was he was sick too. So that that hasn't helped things out. But everything everything will be fine. Everything will be fine, and he's going to be one of their building blocks moving forward. I do have a, I have an interesting stat on him. Yeah. You know how many, you, you know how many dunks he has so far this season. How many dunks that Jabari has so far this season? I want to guess. No, I want to guess. Um, no hints. I'm not giving you any hints. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to guess. Seven. No. Am I? Uh, uh, I, side note, not to go on a tangent. Um, when they were playing, uh, the when they were playing Minnesota. I was shocked to learn that Anthony Edwards at that point had not had uh, a dunk yet in however many games that that had been. So so maybe since since that shocked me enough, I'm going to go ahead and say and say one. You got it. One He has attempted one dunk the entire season. That's it. Wow. And that's one of those things that. You know, he hasn't necessarily made it easier on himself, but the team can probably look to make things a little bit easier on him as well. He's attempting five and a half catch and shoot uh, attempts per game. That number should probably go up a little bit just because he's, he's he should be a really good catch and shoot guy, especially with all the attention and all the gravity that guys like Alperin Shingun and Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. have. So that there, there should be some open looks there. They, he really didn't have a pick and roll game. Uh, at this point, he's more of a pick and pop guy. But as he gets stronger, I think that's the big thing with him. He's got to get stronger, and we're gonna, you know, you'll you compared him a little bit to what Paolo Bancaro has done so far this season. The two obviously high picks, highly skilled guys, but Bancaro physically is just so much bigger than Jabari Smith is right now, and I think that's what makes him a little bit more NBA ready right now is just the body and the body type, and that's going to allow him to to be a little bit more physical and handle. You know just how physical the NBA game is. Yeah, the the body difference and the the difference in body type between the two of them is is striking and noticeable. I mean, I mean, I and you th- this was something that you could have seen bef- even before they hit an NBA floor. Just look at their measurements and even watch them in college. You could see that, but it's striking watching them on uh, on the court together. I I think it's it's great that you provide Adam that context of not practicing a lot, getting sick, you know, all of the different things. And, and really just the, aside from that, just the challenges of adjusting from the college game to the NBA game, because I like, I'll cop to it, man. I was guilty of that. And I think part of it is this anticipation, right? You know, we talked in the trailer and have talked offline about, you know, how, how the last couple of years have gone for the Rockets and sort of anticipating th- them becoming a winner again through this young talent, these high draft picks that they're that they're getting. And you can see it in the potential in these guys. And so you want it to just be old plug and play. And Jalen Green is, uh, you know, Jason Tatum all automatically. And Jabari Smith is, you know, you name is Anthony Davis immediately. You know, I, I'm giving like inflammatory, you know, hyperbole type names, but you, you get what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. you, you, 
from a from an anticipatory standpoint, you're like, okay, that's who that guy's gonna be, <laughs> and you're ready to go out there and, and go like, let's see it, you know. And it's like, oh, you know what? But he's 19, you know. He's actually 19, and he's never played in the NBA before. So maybe he is going to be exactly that, what you think he is, but you got to give it time and you got to have a little bit of patience with it. And so that's been one of the reasons why I haven't a been overly critical of Jabari Smith and I B have not been like apologizing for liking the draft pick and thinking that they, you know, hit a home run with him at number three. Cause I think that ultimately that's how it's going to play out. Once the things that you talked about, uh, develop once he gets some time in the league and once his body i think the body i think is the main thing right i don't know, like the and i think that's real, what's reflected in the the dunks like no way a guy who's 6 11 and is you know as talented as he is doesn't have more than one dunk attempt if his body is just a little bit sturdier and you know they can rely on him to to you know to get points in the paint like that you know like i i think i think a lot of that is in playing to his strengths right now and his strengths are not being strong and being a good shooter. So it's like, let's get this guy, uh, let's get this shot, guy some three-point shots. It, 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 this isn't 2K. And, and I think that people want it to, ha- to happen right away for these guys. But there's a lot of stuff that you have to learn. We, you, you have to learn how to do certain things. And if they didn't ask you to do even if they asked you to do it in college, which for the most part, most of these guys, they weren't asked to do a lot of stuff that they're doing now. They weren't asked to do it in college. So it doesn't just happen. You have to learn how to do a lot of these things. So it's it's going to take some time. Like uh, that's why you know the the NBA player who comes in and you know wins MVP as a rookie that doesn't happen because the league is just too good. All right, let's get out on this topic, Adam. And I, I just got one simple question for you. Well, you tell me how simple it is. Do the Rockets fix their offensive problems? If they just simply run it through one Alperin Shingun, should they just run the offense through the guy? Should that just be, should the offense be, should it be the Alperin Shingun Academy offense where we just run them through the high post and everybody just run around and let Alpi find you or let them back, back down and do whatever the hell that awkward ass left-handed hook off the right foot thing that he does you know like is that is that the way to go is that what this what this Rockets office needs to look like I think a lot of times it depends on matchups because you saw it last night where um uh, Christian Coloco you know the the Raptors center gets in in foul trouble just right away in in the second half and he basically didn't didn't play the rest of the game and there were no more post-ups after that because the Raptors essentially went to a zone and it's really hard you know especially for a team that doesn't really know how to throw entry passes it's really hard to, 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 to play through a center in that, in that type of a spot. And so, you know, Shingun's effectiveness really got taken away. So I think you can do some of that, but you, you have to be multidimensional. You can't just do the one thing. You can't just say, you know, we're just going to post up this one guy and that's going to be it because he's, you know, I, I don't think that he's ready, you know, to do that at this point, but he can certainly do it for stretches and we've seen it look really good. Um, and the offense has been much, much better with him on the floor so far this season. But, I mean, that's a big question moving forward because he wasn't starting games when the season started. Bruno Fernandez was. So when Bruno or Bruno Fernando, when Bruno Fernando comes back, who's starting? How does the rotation look? And that's going to be something that we really examine moving forward throughout this podcast. Absolutely. That's Adam Spillane. I'm Brandon Scott. This is the H-Town Hoops podcast, the debut. We're going to be here several times a week. 
reacting to games, uh, giving our analysis on the biggest storylines. Adam Spillane is at pretty much every practice, most practices, if not uh, every game. Um, we've been covering this team together, like I mentioned, uh, for the last few years. And so we are excited to bring our observations, basically our notepad, sportsradio610.com. Uh, excited to bring that to audio form right here on the H-Town Hoops podcast. So make sure you're subscribing, that you're rating, reviewing, sharing, telling your friends about it. Do all of that, man, because, I mean, we kind of want to develop a, a community here. And and the more that you share the podcast and help it grow, uh, the better. So until next time, guys, make sure, again, you're liking, rating, reviewing, and, and subscribing and sharing the podcast. And we will catch you guys on the next one. 